Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder, wrapping up the year, the political year of 2017, pretty much in the books, Phil. And uh, what a political year it's been. This has been quite a year. I mean, I, I think when, when we signed up for the show, I think we both thought it was going to be exciting. We're going to talk politics, you know, and, and I think there was even a point where we said, well, what, what are we possibly going to talk about every week? You know, like, like there's not as exciting as politics is, you know, we're going to have to find some off races, some, you know, some states across the country that what might make interesting uh, uh, fodder. But this has been a year where we couldn't do enough shows. I mean, we literally couldn't do enough shows. Week you can't in, keep up. Week in, week out, there was something going on, whether it was out of the White House, whether it was in Congress, whether it was some uh, some new uh, proposal um, or some, sadly, some new, uh, somebody new getting accused of something. I mean, it's just, it has literally... Or, an, or a new tweet. Or a new tweet or a new election, a special election, and what it means and how it means. I mean, this has been some, some year. And, you know... I think today's show is important as we sort of, I don't want to go back and, and rehash some of the. No, we don't things. want to go through everything. But I, you know, I think we. We don't have we enough time. I, there's, there's not enough time of the day. Um, but I think, you know, sort of coming up with, you know, and this is something we didn't really prepare for, but like sort of the winners and the losers of this year, you know, sort of who we do we think is sort of won and who do we think is sort of trending downwards. I don't want to say lost because uh, I don't want to be that negative, but, but, but who is trending downwards and, and ultimately how do you think we're going to proceed? I mean, look, We've been talking about elections and what that means for 2018. It's about to be 2018. So we, you know, it's soon enough. We're no longer going to have to uh, speculate on on what it means, but we're going to actually see what it means and, and we'll know. And so, you know, much like the conversations I had, and I, I will talk about this for a moment and tax reform is, is still something that's going on right now. But, you know, people keep saying, you see, you know, you know, we finally, you know, Donald Trump and this administration finally passed something, you know, you know, substantive. Republicans are all excited to, to sort of stand on this accomplishment. But the truth is, I don't want to have this debate because pretty soon we're going to see, right? You know, the proof is in the pudding with something like this. We're in 2018. A lot of what we've talked about this year is going to come home to roost in some way, shape or form for the good or for the bad. And I think that story is soon to be told. So if I had to look at the kind of the theme of it, of course, the president as he did throughout the campaign, dominated the news and dominated just every day the daily news cycle and continues to do so just by virtue of, of tweeting and errant uh, it, uh, statements. Um, we'll just have to, you know, itself, I know fact-checking is a lost art these days and, you know, fake news reigns. Actually, there, there's, if you could think of a theme, it's, it's that we've had this steady decline in trust uh, both the media, with regard to the media, the steady decline in trust, with regard to institutions. I mean, the imagine, who could have imagined that back in 2015, 2016, even the inauguration of 2017, that by the end of the year, you would have so many people. I mean, a congressman yesterday called for a purge of the FBI. That's how we're ending the year. A purge. Of the FBI, we, we we don't do purges. That's that's a Soviet thing, <laughs> right? That that that's a that's a that's a fascist thing. Purges are not a democracy. We don't we don't purge people. And this decline in in institutions, the erosion in the trust of institutions by wide segments of the population, 
I think is is one thing that's really astounding. But I will say, having said that, um, I know you're going to probably push back, but the president overall is ending on a pretty good note, and particularly on a lot of issues that you know, um, the tax reform. Okay, it's yet to be written, but a lot most Americans will see a tax cut next year. There's no question about that. All right. That's Mo- it. I can't even let you finish. Most Americans are going to see a tax cut. By the way, so okay. according to Brookings, you're right. According to Brookings, 80% of Americans Brookings are is not see- exactly... Okay, but no, no. But, no, but, no 80% of Americans... I'm disagreeing with you. But let 80- me finish the thought as far as the Donald Trump's, okay? He kept his promise with regard to Jerusalem, which most people didn't think he was going to do, and we knocked him for not doing that initially, okay? He has, for all intents and purposes, I mean, yes, America is not very popular on the global stage. But he definitely has changed the dynamics at the United Nations a little bit. Um, Nikki Haley has been, I think, by far his most effective pick out there. And <clears throat> aside from Roy Moore and that debacle in Alabama, which but is, is totally a debacle, which actually is going on today, and we should talk about that in a couple seconds, that... Aside from that debacle, he had a pretty good run with regard to special elections. Now, that doesn't mean anything with regard to 2018. I think Republicans are in for a drubbing, but he is holding his own. We all thought, it would, at least I thought, that and based on the start, it was going to be an unmitigated disaster. Okay, I thought this presidency and and it wasn't going well, and there's still a lot of there's still an immense amount of jobs that are still not filled. But so far, he's ending 2017 on a pretty good note. I, you know, I don't even again. I don't want to relitigate all of the issues, but I I would absolutely disagree. I mean, let's let's for example say that uh, Flake and McCain would have been no on tax reform, right? Let's assume it would have been tax reform would not have happened, right? And this came down to one vote. It wasn't like it wasn't like we knew all along that they were working towards a process that was going to get there, right? It was literally down to one vote, and so let's say it would have failed. On that one vote, on that one senator, you would have said probably the exact opposite, right? And so, you know, we talk about this big win for the president. It it just, you know, it's not. It it really isn't. And we don't know what it's going to do yet. I mean, you're seeing states and counties all across New York, right? If you live in New York, you have heard this. You've been beaten over the head with it this week. Pay your 2018 uh, property taxes right now. Nassau County, people are lining up. Lining up. In New York City, people are lining up to prepay their property taxes. Why is that? If it's such a good tax plan and everybody's so happy, such a big victory, why are all the well, friends... Look, we can't look at the entire country. Well, well hold on. Why are our friends and neighbors, right? And again, I know we're, we're speaking to people outside of New York City, but, but why is everybody lining up this week to pay their taxes, right? Even my most conservative friends are all having conversations about, oh, when are, how much are you putting in? How much should I pay taxes? Why? To avoid the devastating hurt that this tax plan is going to pay, is going to cause... When I talk, you know, when we talk about, when we used to talk about Obama and, you know, some people for some reason on the conservative side still like to talk about Hillary Clinton and still like to talk about Barack Obama. And I, I bring up how President Trump, I believe he he tends to lie. I know we don't like to call it like lying. Oh, no. He had a big enchilada yesterday. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, I will get to that. Right. But we, everybody goes back to Obama and, you know, the the healthcare reform. He said, if you like your health insurance, you'll be able to keep it, right? That was the big quote unquote lie that the conservatives like to pull out and throw it back in your face. Well, you see, Obama lied about healthcare reform. Let's talk about two things, right? Every one of my conservative and Republican friends like to tell me how the Democrats pushed through health reform in the middle of the night with no Republican support. It's exactly what you did with tax reform. And Everyone's like, you see, that's where Obama lied. Well, if, if I recall, and by the way, if you want to see some good montages, MSNBC, whether you like them or don't like them, I mean, 
there's a good golf montage for Donald Trump, how he beat the heck out of, uh, of, of Barack Obama for playing golf. But more importantly on this, to, to close out this point, is how many times did he say, oh, this is going to hurt. This tax plan is going to hurt me. It's going to hurt all my rich friends. Oh, let me tell you, my rich friends are really angry at me. They call me, but I'm not listening because I care about the middle class. The first public comments he, after his, his sort of flight to Mar-a-Lago Mar last week, the first public comments that came out were him telling his rich friends, you guys just got richer. I mean, think about that. You guys just got richer. And I hate to say this, the Democrats are going to hang that around the Republicans' necks like, like a huge weight. And this is going into 2018. And so you could say it's a win. And, and I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to debate that. You're right. We did give him a, a, a beating on Israel and he, he did the right thing. And, and he commuted uh, Shalom Rabashkin, which, again, you know, I think I, I agree with. I think it was the right thing to do. So look, there's definitely things that he did were, which are positive. But they're one-offs, right? It wasn't the, the 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 basis or the foundation of the administration and everything that's happened this year was just completely broken. And yeah, so we did a, a couple of good things. We found we made sure the one senator was there so we wouldn't lose this monumental vote. We did these little things that could ultimately give us some decent talking points. But quite frankly, the economy was on the rise. When you take a look at the last the last ten years in the economy post two thousand eight, the economy has been a, on a steady increase. For that. So you want to make the argument that like, oh, well, it's still rising? Fine. I'm, I'm willing to give Donald Trump credit that it's still rising. But the economy has been on a steady increase for the last 10 years. We're seeing good economy. Things, you know, we're talking about the job numbers and we're talking about all these positive things that are happening in the country. These are things that have steadily been increasing over the last 10 years. It wasn't it wasn't created. And and so to, to, to finalize on this, this note is that I disagree. I don't think it's been a great presidency. I think there have been some good things that have come out. And time will tell because when, when the Republicans take a beating, and I, I'm going to take it a step back because I'm, I'm going to take it a step back from, 20, from November because I think the Republicans will ultimately take a beating. And good Republicans, by the way, good Republicans in moderate states who are doing pragmatic good jobs are going to ultimately get, lose based on this president. But you're going to see it even sooner because members of Congress are going to realize this. And, and you and I know this firsthand. People are going to look at the president's poll numbers at 35%. At individual elections, individual members of Congress, individual senators in, in who are currently represented by blue states, who are moderate blue, blue senators or moderate red senators or senators that need to hold their seats, they're going to start to distance themselves from the president because it's proved not to work. And... I know it's it's and you made a point now. Well, outside of Roy Moore, you know we've won. You know Republicans have won five House seats, and and the president even tweeted about that. Oh, nobody wants to talk about those five House seats because you and I have covered to death like they were early. They really were in bellwether states. When we take a look at the you know the bellwether state was was Virginia, and the Democrats won without a question. Yes, and we take a look at the reddest of red state that now has a blue senator. So the. So the interesting thing is that I agree that the Republicans are in deep trouble. I think the pro the thing is, if you just look at the snapshot in time, is compared to what where things were, there is a possibility that Donald Trump is on the right track as in the presidency, and maybe he's writing things. I think there's just an incredible amount of unforced errors. I think the the turnover at the White House is actually quite breathtaking. If you think of how many people from the team who were there are gone already. I mean, we started the year, you started the year with Bannon, with Priebus, with Sean Spicer. 
Anthony Scaramucci made a little cameo. <laughs> Omarosa. I mean, you have it. I mean, these Mike Flynn. I mean, and you know, his own national security advisor has pled guilty, pled guilty to a crime he committed while serving as national security. Look, there's a there's a ton of stuff to talk about with regards to this presidency, and I think that you what you have to though think about for a second is. Is there an opportunity for him to make a little bit of a turnaround here? And my answer here going into 2018 is perhaps he has momentum to do that. At the same time, if you look at the Republicans who have crossed Trump, who are opposing Trump, Corker, Flake, McCain, Lindsey Graham, who had been guys who had really gone after Trump. Lindsey Graham has basically been neutralized. He's on the Trump team now. McCain is unfortunately ailing. And Flake and Corker have taken themselves out. Now, yes, they can cause trouble for the end of the towards the end of the year, uh, towards this the whole next year. But the Republican Party has kind of remade itself in Trump's image, I think, for worse. But overall, that's kind of what's been going on. Now, when you look at Roy Moore for a second. Roy Moore has decided to go to court to stop certification of his election because he claims it's fraud. He has the ability to go for a recount, and to but he has to pay for that. So he doesn't want to pay for that. He'd rather file a lawsuit, which I guess is cheaper, which would be the legal way to go uh, <clears throat> about it. And I uh, apologize to the audience right now for for my uh, for lack of voice. But you think it, that is kind of a metaphor for what I think is what's going on in the Republican Party here. Here you have you want to blame conspiracies for everything, right? You don't want to take you don't want to take reality. The reality is that you lost the election. The reality is we were terrible candidate. The reality is you never should have run. You dragged the Republican Party down, and yet you want to blame conspiracies and these forces of conspiracy going against you. That, to me, is what's going on in the Republican Party. And the truth is, having said that, it's going on the Democratic side as well, on the far fringes of both. Everybody wants to believe they're crazy conspiracies about everything. The one point I want to make with regard to the Democrats, which I find shocking, is interestingly, this month, is the Democratic Party is ending the year with $6 million. The RNC is ending the year with $40 million. For all the energy going on to oppose the president, the Democrats can't raise money. The Democrats don't have a message. They, they're not doing a good job with that. They have a very aging group of leadership. Very, very aging. I mean, it's quite elderly if you think about it. No offense to the older people out there, but you know the idea that Bernie Sanders might run again for president at 80 years old is not a good sign for the Democratic Party right now. I absolutely look, I absolutely agree with that. I think there's, you know, and I, I love the guy, Joe Biden. I mean, this this sort of talked as like I He's gonna the, be eighty two. He's the best thing that we have as a Democrat and he's gonna be eighty two. By the no, way, I, mean, I, I didn't I don't think I've been eighty two. I think any he's gonna be eighty comma two. <laughs> Oh he's yeah, gonna, yeah, is, yeah. He, is he going to be eighty <laughs> two? He's he's up there. He's Look, up there. He's up there. But but this is the point. There's no leadership, right? There's talk. There was talk last night, you know, of well, the most you know the Obama's still as popular as he's always been. Um, Obama's still as popular. Is he going to go out on the campaign trail? And then someone asked well, well, is Hillary going to go back out on the campaign trail? Folks, you know, it's it's sort of that same and and to our very own and and I'm going to say this to our very own Kathleen Rice who a year ago, right? Congresswoman Kathleen Rice who represents Nassau County a year ago said we need a change in our leadership, right? Nancy Pelosi is not the person that is going to lead the Democrats out of the trouble that we're currently in. And she stood up by the way, I think was one of three people 
who even in what is ultimately is a ceremonial vote, you know, everybody knows who's going to win, so everybody votes for the same person. And she stood up and said, look, I am not going to stand for the status quo. Democrats need new leadership, right? I, I think, you know, Harry Reid left. You heard it here first. Harry Reid Harry Reed left and, and Chuck Schumer stepped in. I, I think most people would, would tell you that Chuck has done uh, so far a really, really great job. I think the House needs to do the same thing. And the House, by the way, is I think where you really, I mean, look, We've prognosticated that the Senate could swing back to Dem. It would be very, very complicated. Um, I mean, it really depends on what happens over the course of 2018. But the but the, for the Senate, in the House, the Democrats have a real chance. But what you said is exactly, exactly right. You need leadership. You need a message. You need to sort of step up, uh, sort of obviously on the fundraising end. I mean, there's so many things that you still have to do. Nothing is is should be taken for granted. And you know what bothered me more than anything this week? And I... So Jerry Nadler is uh, Congressman Jerry Nadler from Manhattan, who's a great, great friend of mine who I've known for many, many years. You know, he now is the ranking member on the Judiciary Committee. And so if the Dems were to take majority, he, become the he becomes the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, the, the same committee that would be responsible for potential impeachment. OK, why? And, and that actually became a debate, right? That became a, a conversation amongst Democrats. Well, if we win and if we and when we win, will we actually move to impeach? What? Why are we talking about that right now? Why don't we win first and then have a conversation? And by the way, Jerry Nadler, to his credit, said, I wouldn't move necessarily to impeach because that would be divisive. You know, there's a long time between now and then. So I give Congressman Nadler a lot of credit. But what? Democrats, why don't you do your job? Let's be pragmatic. Let's get things done. Let's come out with a message. Let's show real leadership and then talk about like what we'll do if we win. Because the base or we've seen politics over the last, and this is just a trend over this year, we've seen politics over the last two decades, especially with the rise of social media and the rise of independent fundraising and the like, we have seen the extremes take over politics. And in most cases, because people are only afraid of primaries, and this is where the base is. I think it's going to be tough if the Democrats take the House, which is a distinct possibility, for them not to try and impeach the president or not to impeach the president to do it. It's just going to be tough not to do that. That's what the base wants, but I agree with you. That's not what the American people want. The American people want governing. They want the problem solved. They want to deal with a lot of issues. And it's crazy to kind of go ahead and take these most extreme positions. But um, as you said, Phil, we have to go, I think, to winners and losers and maybe some of the most... most Biggest surprises, some most noteworthy um, items that happened in the course of the 2017 as we uh, uh, <clears throat> to round out the show here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. And uh, Phil, give me your uh, give me your winners for the year. Obviously, they're going to be all Democrats. Wow, wow, this is this is going to be tough. Um, uh, you know what? Just to 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 throw it out there, I'm going to say Senator Flake. He's he's a winner. Uh, you know, somebody who says, look. Forget the trend, forget what's popular, forget what's sexy. I'm going to do what I think is right. Going as far as to send uh, send the Jones campaign a campaign contribution. I know he got some criticism. It was only a $100 campaign contribution. But, but he supported a Democrat, right, against a Republican. Again, a flawed candidate, but somebody who had a bit of courage, who was willing to, to step up to, to buck the party, to buck the trend, and to do what he thought was right. I think we need to see a lot more of that. Now, yes. The argument, the pushback I'm going to get, and I know I'm going to hear about it later, is, well, he decided he's not running for election, so he could do those kind of things. If that's the answer, 
if we've come to a place in politics that you do things only for the purpose of getting reelected, that's a problem. And so while, yes, he is no longer... It's not a new problem. <laughs> well, it's a problem. But I think you and I both agree that it's a significant problem with our country and with our system. And the fact that like Jeff Flake was able to stand up and, and speak, the, speak his mind... And again, you saw it from Corker, and, and, and I give them both a, a tremendous amount of credit. And, and ultimately, I think, again, John McCain did what he thought was right. I don't think there was any politics. In his no vote on, on the repeal and replace, okay, when healthcare, sort of the healthcare repeal tanked out, the big Republican push to, to, to move healthcare, uh, to repeal healthcare sort of flamed out, John McCain wasn't thinking anything outside of what's in the best interest of the state of Arizona. Right. That's it. That's what he was thinking about. I mean, there was no political calculation. There was no I'm going to get reelected or I'm not going to get reelected. That is the truest. And so for every one of the cowards that voted because and I say this on both sides, right, who voted the way they voted, right, on the Democratic side against, on the Republican side for, and they didn't actually believe it was the best thing for themselves, shame on them, which for me makes uh, uh, Flake, Corker and, and John McCain the winners of this year. Well, wow, three Republican winners for you. Uh, my biggest winner actually is General Kelly. Okay, and I'm going to give a second place to General Mattis. Um, I think the fact is that General Kelly came in to a, by any definition. Dumpster fire? Chaotic dumpster fire, I think, would be uh, probably inadequate. Uh, maybe a dumpster fire with propane next to it. Uh, <clears throat> Kelly came in. And yes, the president still tweets and the president still says things uh, that are questionable. Like yesterday, he goes to a firehouse in West Palm Beach and claims that he has the record for most bills signed in a single year in the first year of the White House. Now, actually, according to in the post-war era, he actually signed the lease, which I don't understand. And he says he beats Harry Truman, who was the record holder. Now, Harry Truman wasn't the record holder. We'll leave that aside. I don't even understand why you make these claims if they're so easily debunked, but we'll leave that aside. But General Kelly has managed to create process in the White House. He's managed to get rid of people who were not doing anything, i.e. Sebastian Gorka or Omarosa, people with no titles. Whatever you think about them personally, if they don't actually have a job, I mean, my, my knock on Sebastian Gorka was not the fact that he went on TV. I thought he was pretty effective for the president on TV. The fact is that the guy would go, he didn't have a security clearance, so therefore how could he hold a national security job? Um, just by function, he couldn't do that. He didn't have a job. Omarosa didn't have a job either. She didn't do anything. Um, those people shouldn't be working for the taxpayers. But Kelly has streamlined the White House. He has gotten rid of um, the special privileges for Kushner and which I think, which for most people written about, were causing a lot of trouble in the White, in the White House. And he seems to have righted the ship in the second half of the year to a large degree. Now, there's a, things actually got done. As opposed to Obamacare, which failed, you actually saw a good, coherent, on-message push when it came to tax reform. Um, yes, you know, not exactly a classical type of Washington, but I give Kelly, um, I give Kelly credit for that. And the White House is running a lot smoother. I give Mattis the, the kind of the runner-up because he has managed to have the most difficult, amongst the most difficult positions there, with a president who would seem to be very trigger happy with a lot, not necessarily trigger happy with nuclear weapons, but just trigger-happy in general, and he's tempered that, and even with the transgender issue in the military, just kind of no drama, 
not said anything, just kind of cruised along, done his job, and has been respected for doing that. And I guess you see, if people just do their job, they keep their head low, they could be very successful in this new environment in uh, in Washington. Phil, biggest losers. I absolutely agree. Oh, you're going to get a no, rebuttal. No, 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 I absolutely agree. I, I will happily sort of go to the other side, the biggest losers. And again, hard to sort of put into one person. But I'm Yeah, gonna, it is hard. I'm going to say... All three press secretaries um, who have spoken from the podium this uh, this year, right? You know, starting with Sean Spicer, Scaramucci, the Mooch, and and even now with with Sarah I don't Huckabee think Mooch Sanders. was there for long enough to be the biggest loser. Well, but, look, but, he was, but he Sean was, Spicer could certainly he was press secretary. Look, Sean Spicer all the way from and and this was I don't know if you remember the outrage. I mean, I'm sure that you do, right? There, this was the biggest crowd, period. Literally, one of the first things he said from the podium was an absolute bald-faced lie. And, and there was such an outrage. And this was so fascinating because what we were outraged at back then, I don't think we'd be outraged anymore. It would be sort of be like, yeah, okay, we, we hear those lies every day. You know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders getting up and saying, well, you have to have a dirty mind to think that's what Donald Trump me- meant in his tweet. When, when you and I both agree, you can have the cleanest mind in the world. We all know what Donald Trump meant when he tweeted uh, about Senator Gillibrand. So, you know, we were all surprised. I don't think we were as surprised when it got to, to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. But like, look, there has been a deterioration in um, in the words that have been coming out of their mouth. Right. They're, they're meant to be there to to sort of clarify, to, to sort of uh, speak about what the president's agenda is or the president's message. And, and quite frankly, they have just sort of picked up a, a, of the trend that there's no need to be honest. Right. Just it's not even don't even bend the truth. Just lie. Right. And and we I think we heard this earlier on. You don't hear it as much anymore, but they have one person they're serving. They're not serving the American people. They're not serving the press corps. They're serving the president. They're getting up there on that podium to say exactly what the president wants to hear, because all reports have said that the president sits in the back of whether it's in the Oval Office or somewhere in the White House and he watches these briefings. And so that press secretary is talking to the president, and the president alone. And so, quite frankly, you know, Sean Spicer was an embarrassment. He was an embarrassment to the White House. He was an embarrassment to it's an embarrassment to the American people, to the American people. But he's an embarrassment to any podium anywhere. I mean, like right. the, the man doesn't deserve to speak on behalf of anybody because he he had a, a significant problem with the truth. Let's not forget, actually, which in my mind was the most offensive comment that he made was with regard to Saddam. I'm sorry, Bashar Assad gassed his people. Hitler never even did that. His, Hitler never even gassed his own. Yes, people. and then he acknowledges in his apology. Yes, there were Holocaust centers. He couldn't even be prepared enough to say concentration camps, gas chambers. Again, I, a, a, a terrible, I agree. I mean, that 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 is an excellent, um, you know, a, excellent analysis on the loser chain. My, my biggest loser is actually Al Franken. Uh, I thought about this and the, I don't, I'm still a little bit puzzled by how swiftly it happened. And, but here's a guy who says, well, you know, maybe I died. I was, he was a comedian. Look, I'm not, excusing the whole thing at all but he said okay investigate let's see what the facts are i don't remember for a long time he, he was willing to do that and yet he got run out by his colleagues 30 of them just said you got to go the amazing thing is he's sitting there and the president is still in the is still in office and roy moore is still running for senate it's, and I, Al Franken is sitting there and saying, how does this happen to the world, to a nice Jewish boy from Minnesota? How does this happen that I am being forced out of office, even though I, I kind of played my cards right? I did I did it right, but yet they're getting rid of me. To me, 
you gotta be, you gotta wonder like how. I'm just the biggest loser here. And yeah, the whole, it's so the whole much. Thing. So you know, you you know that you've got it wrong when Republicans are calling for you to unresign. I mean, Senator Manchin to get up and say he's not. A, Manchin's not a Republican. Oh, excuse me, not <laughs> Manchin. Um, oh, there was a Republican senator. I don't know Graham McCain. I don't know who is. Oh man, okay. Republican senators were, were getting up and asking. It was on one of the Sunday news shows. Uh, you'll excuse me, Manchin, but 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 Democrats, right? Democrats, by the way, who could arguably get politically hurt, damaged by saying that, right? They're going to get sort of the women's groups were going to get up and, and say it, and so I think there was sort of this idea, this call for him to unresign. It's like, whoa, whoa, where are we? Are we in the twilight zone here? Like, what does that mean, unresign? Uh, I actually thought it was it was interesting. People let him get away with, like, I will be resigning. Usually, we right. like, usually you can't get away with that. Usually, I'm resigning today or effective this. That's Friday. what Marissa did. I'm going to be resigning January twentieth, so I can collect a paycheck. By the for way, doing which, nothing over you know, the next... and, and talk about and and sort of going on to the next loser. And 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 I know we talked about the White House a bit, but but Amarosa is a good example, right? For her. You know, the stories, again, I don't want to get into sort of the stories of, of, of look, she was represented, she is, as one of the only African-Americans at a high-level position in the White House. She was arguably there to, to help, to help to craft the message, to ensure that everybody, uh, that, that every community was being well represented. The stories of her being forcibly removed by, by the White House for her, like, you know, sort of the stories that came out, for her to go on the news the next day and say, Time will. You're going to see. I have got great stories to tell. It's just part. It's just part of the reality TV show. I'm going to admit it right now, Michael. I will buy the book. Okay, I absolutely. Phil, will buy the as book. we as we close out, biggest surprise of 2017 for you. Donald Trump is still in the White House. That's that's that's, that's not bad. Uh, my biggest surprise, I guess, or something that actually I knew wasn't going to happen, but I'm surprised the extent that it didn't happen. Jared and Ivanka will be moderating forces on Donald Trump. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I actually think that, in theory, I I wanted to be wrong about my idea that that'll never happen. But the extent to which how little influence Ivanka has on the administration, that is, like, if you have that little influence, there's no reason to be in there. You know, you might as well distance yourself. She she went ahead and condemned Roy Moore. And then her father totally overruled her and apparently was pretty PO'd about the fact that she did that. So to me, that's kind of the biggest surprise out there that the favorite daughter has had so little influence in that. And uh, we, we got to wrap up. But, you know, next week we can start off 2018 and make some predictions that everybody can come to us afterward and say, hey, you were wrong. So that's it for this week, Phil. Thanks for uh, joining me as a, you know, as a get over this cold and uh, we'll see you next week here on spin class here on the Nahum Single Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.